Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I think the music worked this time. <laughs> For those of you that let us know that the, the intro music wasn't working, thank you. Thank you for being our technical support. Happy Friday. It's Friday again. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it was just Friday yesterday. I, I don't know where the week has gone. I've been busy, been doing things. So it's not like, you know, I don't know, maybe things go by faster this way. Who knows? Anyway, I want to talk about the pain of restoration because I think that we would be amiss not to dive into this. Um, I think so often we think about things like restoration and we allow our minds to drop into the pleasantries of those kinds of things. And um, we don't rightly count the cost of what it takes to bring restoration to something. And I, I know that, um, it, oh, that's good. Yes. Restoration could not be without divisions. I like that. Um, it, I, we don't count the cost. We don't consider like what it actually takes to, to rightly bring restoration to our, our lives. And if you consider restoring something, an object that is external from us, you, you know that that there if that thing had emotion, it would feel it, right? And, and so we should really consider ourselves in the same regard that God bringing restoration to our lives is going to hurt sometimes. It's not going to um, just be that feel good thing with squishy Jesus. It, it's gonna, it's going to be painful because he's touching things that we would rather just leave alone. And I know that we touched on this a little bit on Wednesday with unedited chats, but I just, I thought that it was a, a good idea for us to kind of stay here and um, really just kind of consider a little bit deeper what this looks like. If you are someone who has been tracking with us this year so far, that's this is all we've been talking about. It is restoration, restoration in in various veins, and whether it be self, family, um, church, uh, the land, which we're going to finally wrap up this Sunday. I'm really excited. Pepper and I are, are going to teach together on Sunday morning, so tune in for that. That'll be fun. I have no idea what that's going to be like, but that's kind of the fun of it, right? And um, but anyway, so we haven't really talked a whole lot about what does it feel like to be restored. Now, I am privy enough to know that there are things going on in real time in people's life right now that that hurt. They're, they're hurting and they're unsure of like, if, if this is restoration, I'm not sure I want it. Right. And, um, I, you guys, we don't have to go very far into scripture to realize that this is just the nature of how God does things. Is he intending to destroy us? No, he's wanting to get to a, a foundation that is clear and stable within us that he can actually build upon, you know? Like you have to get down. And I love it that Vince, Vince was talking this is for the fellas uh, talking about the restoration of a car. Now, this is something that my husband talks about often when it comes to vehicles, especially in the wintertime, because we live in an area where we get snow and ice. And so they put the salt on the roads to keep them clear and safe and all of that. But that harms the paint on vehicles. And, and he makes a big deal about that. Doesn't he, honey? He's like, seriously, you guys, he's creeping in the background. <laughs> 
he was trying to stay hidden and covert, but I exposed him anyway. But he makes such a big deal about it that if you don't get that washed off, then it's going to cause all kinds of problems and blah, 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 blah. So I bring that up because we can understand externals better than we want to understand internals. And, and so if you're in a, a space right now where you feel like everything is falling apart, great. Can we just celebrate that? Can we celebrate the fact that you were op- and open enough for the, the Lord to come close and begin to do a work in you? He's uncovering the mess. Can we celebrate that? Like, seriously, can we talk about this? <gasps> Hi, Bryn. I haven't seen you in forever. I think July. July was the last time I saw you. Hello. And hello to everyone else. <laughs> There's just names that pop up every once in a while that hit me. Anyway, um, so we can celebrate those moments too, where it's like, oh my gosh, this totally stinks. But I know that God is doing something in me. I know that he is doing a good work in me. And Joel is a perfect place for us to jump into. Because it's all enfolded in here. We see a God who is, is it's called the day of the Lord in Joel. And, and we know that it's God, you know, taking a stand, coming close, drawing close to the people. I'm preaching to you right now. Listen, I am preaching. I can see myself right now. I am preaching in the mirror. This is exactly like, I, I, it's it's all around us right now. So don't don't feel like. Angie has special intel. <laughs> I know that wasn't your point, Lisa. <laughs> but but um, oftentimes we feel that way, right? When somebody is teaching and we're like feeling exposed to whatever. Um, that, that This is not that. The, everybody is in the same place right now, I feel. But anyway, the day of the Lord. And and the, the line starts off. This is Joel 1.15. And the, the subtitle is the day of the Lord. And it says, whoa, right? Whoa, because of that day. For the day of the Lord is near and will come as devastation from the Almighty. Okay, before you hit me with, well, that's Old Testament. It's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Say it with me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not schizophrenic. Jesus didn't come and do what he did to alter God. Jesus came and did what he did to alter God us, right? To change our minds. We were enemies in our own minds. It wasn't on God's end. It was on humanity's end. We screwed up in the garden that put a chasm between us and God, feeling like we had to do something to gain his affection and his attention. Jesus came to bring us life and life more abundantly. Life and life full tilt, whatever your favorite translation is there in John 10, 10, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to change our minds, to restore the relationship between God and his created ones, his created sons and daughters, right? His offspring. So God didn't change. He's the same. Whoa, because of that day. For the day of the Lord is near and will come as devastation from the Almighty. Hasn't the food been cut off before our eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seeds lie shriveled in their casings. The storehouses are in ruin and the granaries are broken down because the grain has withered away. 
how the animals groan. The herds of cattle wander in confusion since they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep and goats suffer punishment. I call to you, Lord, for fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness and flames have devoured all the trees of the orchard. Even the wild animals cry out to you, for the riverbeds are dried up and fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness. Interesting. Sound familiar to anyone? Anybody having an encounter with the day of the Lord? Just because you didn't know all of this was going on prior doesn't mean that he didn't. Right? Like the our, we have been made aware of our circumstances. We have been made aware of our state of being. But he has known, right? It's it's in his goodness that he has decided that now is a good time to expose us to his knowledge, right? Like he has had full knowledge of the mess that he is now including us in it because of his trust in us. He's invested trust in us. What? That's crazy. He trusts us with what we consider a problem, right? He trusts us with what he is calling the day of the Lord. I don't know, not making this stuff up. It's right there in Joel, right? It's actually comforting to understand that it's part of the process and for a purpose and to know that I am not alone. No, never alone, never a moment alone. There is a poem, don't remember the author, but that's the line in it, never alone, never a moment alone, never a breath alone. We are not alone in this. I know that when our eyes fall on problems that feel devastating to us, we feel isolated. We feel like no one could possibly understand our circumstances. And that is a great, great big lie. We're never alone. Not a moment alone, right? Let's keep reading. Chapter two. Blow the horn in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the residents of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. In fact, it is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of cloud and total darkness, like the dawn spreading over the mountains. Anybody want the day of the Lord? (laughs) This is so fun for me. A great and strong people appear such as never existed in ages past and never will again in all the generations to come. There's just such a contrast between what we have been willing to live in, in tolerance and what the Lord brings on, on his day, right? It's just so contrasting because we, in our, our days of tolerance, we, we've allowed so much to come in and really we've just kind of slapped a God label on it and called it good enough. Um, just last night, Lisa had sent me a text message and, and, and in it was a, a breakdown on why something was um, actually not good for us yet evil. And even to the point of calling it the doctrine of demons. And, um, you know, I haven't dug into that enough to even announce what it was about, but that's what I'm talking about is like, we have been so willing to tolerate things without even questioning them, without even considering whether it is of God or not. We've just, um, we've delighted in lesser things. And so when he's coming in, when God is coming in, it is like this contrast and it feels like, like it's all, everything is out of control and we don't know which end is up. Right. 
because we've allowed so much in and, and we, we've created just quite, quite the mess. Let's keep reading. Um, verse three, a fire devours in front of them and behind them, a flame blazes. The land in front of them is like the garden of Eden, but behind them, it is like a desert wasteland. There is no escape from them. Their appearance is like that of horses and they gallop like war horses. They bound on the tops of the mountains. Their sound is like the sound of chariots, like the sound of fiery flames consuming stubble, like a mighty army deployed for war. I want to go back up to, to that part where it says the land in front of them is like the garden of Eden, but behind them is like the desert wasteland. And here is what I want to say to you. If all you see in front of you is doom and destruction, you are turned in the wrong direction. Can we agree to that? If the only thing you see in front of you right now is doom and destruction, wasteland, desolation, you are turned in the wrong direction. Don't walk into what God has for you backwards. Honestly, you guys, it, it, that is a prideful arrogance for us to keep our eyes fixed on what we've created. It, it is. And I understand that that's hard for us to grasp how that could be arrogance, but we are so fixated, fixated on what we've created. Even if it's doom and destruction, we're fascinated by it. Turn around, turn and face Jesus and walk toward the promise. Allow the doom and destruction to be behind you just because he is exposing you to the reality of what is doesn't mean you need to turn and grovel in it. That's not your land any longer. He's moving you out of that. Be aware. Be aware of the mess, because if you do not allow yourself to have awareness of it, you will never know the full on victory that he's bringing to your life. But do not fixate on it turn around and face Jesus. That's the opportunity at every moment of every day that we can turn and face Jesus. We can either become very fixated and upset about everything that is going wrong, or we can turn and face Jesus. He has the answers. He carries the peace. Oh, I like that. Just heard about face. Where did it go? I lost it. I don't even know what that means, but I heard it. Well, if, if Vince were on here, he could tell us what it means. <laughs> Does it just mean to turn around? Eyes on Jesus always. Yes. And Nora, God richly blessed woman of God. You speaking truth. Yes, I am speaking truth. Thank you. Thank you, evangelist Daniel. I love that. I love to be encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is in full on agreement with my statements. Don't you just love it that he is the crowd at all times? <laughs> all right. We are in verse six. Nations writhe in horror before them. All faces turn pale. They attack as warriors attack. They scale walls as men of war do. Each goes on his own path and they do not change their course. They do not push each other. Each proceeds on his own path. I'm getting drunk. <laughs> Jesus, they do not push each other. Each proceeds on his own path. They dodge the arrows, never stopping. They storm the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like thieves. The earth quakes before them. The sky shakes. 
the sun and moon grow dark and the stars cease their shining. The Lord makes his voice heard in the presence of his army. His camp is very large. Those who carry out his command are powerful. Indeed, the day of the Lord is terrible and dreadful. Who can endure it? I'll tell you who. Those who turn and face him. You know, I love it that Joel outlines this, this army-like thing, this scene, this, this militant scene of them all being in formation. Can I say it like that? I'm looking at, I have vents down in a little tiny box and I'm looking for cues. <laughs> and I, I just love it that, that it, it's like that because it, it gives, it gives my mind something to wrap around and, and there, there is order in this. And at the same time, they're, they're brought together by the force that is the voice of God. And that's just beautiful to me. Okay, verse 12. God calls for repentance. Even now, this is the Lord's de- de- words. This is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart. There you have it. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts and not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him so you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Blow the horn in Zion, Announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the infants, even babies nursing at the breast. Let the groom leave his bedroom and the bride her honeymoon chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace an object of scorn among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? I love it. I love the portions of scripture when when the people are bold enough in prayer to, to say things like that. Have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace. I dare you to say prayers like that. In the middle of what you feel like is a disaster, Lord, do not make your inheritance a disgrace. Can we be that bold? My goodness. Talk about this is the Old Testament. How much more access do we have now? Because of Jesus. We can come even more boldly. All right. Verse 18. God's response to the people. Then the Lord became jealous of his land and spared his people. The Lord answered his people. Do you love it? I love it when the Bible talks about the jealousy of the Lord. I just love that. The Lord became jealous for his land and spared his people. Look, I'm about to send you grain, new wine, and fresh oil. You will be satisfied with them, and I will no longer make you a disgrace among the nations. I will drive the northerner 
far from you and banish him to a dry and desolate land, his front ranks into the Dead Sea and his rear guard into the Mediterranean Sea. His stench will rise, yes, his rotten smell will rise, for he has done astonishing things. Don't be afraid, land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done astonishing things. Don't be afraid, wild animals. For the wilderness pastures have turned green, the trees bear their fruit, and the fig tree and grapevine yield their riches. Children of Zion, rejoice and be glad in the Lord your God, because he gives you the autumn rain for your vindication. He sends showers for you, both autumn and spring rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and fresh oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locusts ate, the young locust, the destroying locust, and the devouring locust, my great army that I sent against you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. You will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. My people will never again be put to shame. I I love this picture too, you guys. It's just so beautiful because God sent this locust army. He sent the, the, the devastation on the land. And I love that, that Joel has him consoling the land and the wild animals and, and, and the people. And I, I feel like we cannot fathom his goodness to the, the degree that we need to without him coming in and creating the, the, these moments that feel like devastation, you know, like, I feel like that's real, that, that he is, he has to remove all of these insulating things that we have built up on, on the inside of, of our lives that, that keep us from being able to full on experience the goodness of the glory of the Lord. And, and, <clears throat> Had this not happened, it had had this this moment of devastation not happened, they would have not been able to to experience the repayment, right? For the years that the that the swarming locusts ate, that the young locusts, the destroying locusts, and the devouring locusts, they wouldn't have been able to rightly experience it. He brought them down to nothing, so they could be filled with everything, you know. And he's saying your threshing floors, they're going to be filled to overflowing with grain and your vats aren't even going to be able to hold the wine and the oil that he's going to pour out. 27, you will know that I am present in Israel and that I am the Lord, your God, and there is no other. My people will never again be put to shame. Verse 28, God's promise of his spirit. After this, wait, are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Because you should be. (laughs) After this, I will pour out my spirit. Okay. He's already said that that our threshing floor is going to be filled with grain. The vats are overflowing. More oil, more wine, more grain than, than we can know what to do with. And he still says, after this, after all that. I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. 
then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. I will display wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, as the Lord promised, among the survivors the Lord calls. After this, he's going to do all that. Pour out his spirit. Do you... Have you ever even tried to imagine what that looks like to pour out his spirit on all flesh? I mean, I know we have a picture of that in, in Acts where you, what we call affectionately call Pentecost and, 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 you know, everyone in the upper room is just filled to overflowing with the spirit and they're speaking in new languages and they're just, you know, having the time of their life. And, and Peter is all of a sudden a preacher and, you know, all the things that happen. We, we've seen that, but there is going to be a day even greater than that. And I want us to be a part of it. I think that we are on the cusp of that day. But we have to learn to rightly respond to him in this day, right? Where it's still the day of the Lord. He is just coming in a different manner. He's coming to restore things. And that just requires him to kind of like reveal some mess. But like we've already said, the invitation is to turn and face him. So right now, whatever it is, whatever your mess is, whatever it feels like it's building up around you, falling on top of you, that you've made a mountain of messes that you can't even know where to begin. Turn and face Jesus. He's not revealing the mess to you to overwhelm you. He's revealing the mess to you so together you can clean it up. You can bring about a restoration in that area. But you have to stay fixated on Jesus and not the problem. You happen to be the solution to that problem. It's you. You're it. Say it's me. But we have to be those who are going to run into Jesus at every turn. Like that has to become our knee-jerk reaction. He has to become the most important person in our lives because I think so often we have other people that we run to because we know that they'll commiserate with us. And that's not actually what we need. We need somebody who's going to say, yeah, but what's Jesus saying? You know? Or, or people like Graham Cook and Vince brought this up the other day. It's one of our favorite stories that Graham Cook tells is um, when, when a problem arises, he gets super excited about it and he calls up a friend to let them know, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what happened to me. 
I've got a problem. And he creates jealousy about his problem because he knows the promise that is attached. There is a promise attached to every problem that we face. So really problems are just opportunity for Jesus to show off in your life. If you let him. So look at your problem square in the eye and say, challenge accepted. Jesus and I are on our way. Father, right now, I just thank you. I thank you for the courage that you promised at the onset of this year. You promised that there would be great courage that came over our lives to face anything. That we could go toe to toe with anything with you beside us. And we know right now we are acknowledging that you have already gone before us. And there might be desolation at our backs, but there is also you. So right now we receive your great courage. We receive your boldness. We receive a spirit of audacity. God, right now we make agreement that we are who you say we are. That even though different versions of ourselves may pop up and want attention, we will side with you, Jesus. We are who you say we are. Holy Spirit, empower us. Empower us to do the things that will bring you glory, that will bring you honor. And we just thank you, Father. We thank you for the love, the love that you surround us with, that we have access to at all times because we are never alone. Never one moment alone. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. We love you. Amen.